It's so encouraging to sing songs that line up with the truth of God's word. Because the truth will set us free and keep us free. And we sang today that he's our fortress. And we don't, we don't have, we don't deal with a lot of things that are fortresses. But when we talk about fortresses, it's something that is a protection and a provision to be able to keep someone safe. How many of you know there needs to be some safety in our lives? And how many of you know the things that we at one time may have trusted in to keep us safe and secure? We're seeing those things not as safe and secure as we thought they were. But I want you to know there's someone who never changes. And that's our Lord. And he is our fortress. Nothing stands against him. And he has every victory. Every victory is his. And it's important that we don't misunderstand or misconstrue what's going on. We have this victory not because of what we do. It's because of who he is and what he's done. Amen? So we can count on that. It's not going to change. But we sometimes, you know, the Bible says through faith and patience. We inherit the promises. Now, most of us just want through faith, we inherit the promises. I'm in faith, Lord. I'm in faith. Where is it? And, and you know what? It's there. You just don't recognize it. God's doing a work that is always unfolding. Remember when Jesus was telling the disciples, we need to feed this massive crowd? That he had taught them all day and they were still there and, and the, they had to be hungry. And, and he said to the disciples, go find out what, what we have among us. And they came back and they said, we have nothing. Oh, but this little boy's lunch. How many of you know nobody except the Lord and Father God and Holy Spirit knew what that lunch represented? Knew the potential that was in that? Because what did it look like compared to all the people? Not enough. But with God, all things are possible. And a little bit with God is more than enough for all of us. And that's where we can't, we can't rely on our own ability to comprehend and evaluate and determine, is this enough? If God says this is enough, that's enough. And it's going to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And so I, I just want to encourage you today, if you're struggling, get your eyes off. What you're facing. Get your eyes on God. Because he is the one who can do the impossible. Amen? I, I just want to stop right now. If you just bow your heads. If you're here and you've been struggling. You came in this morning and you were like, man, I don't know how this is going to work out. Then God wants you to know you are so important to him. He wanted you to be encouraged right now. But you have to receive the encouragement. You have a part in this to say, okay, Lord, I, I know you're talking to me, and I'm going to cast the care of this on you. I'm going to leave the concerns with you, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to worship you, and I am going to exalt you, expecting you to have your way, which is always best. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand. And that's an act of faith to say, that's me. Look at that all over. Father, right now, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You can put your hands down. We thank you, Father, that we never face anything alone. You're always there with us. You are for us. You have a plan, a provision, a power, 
available to us that is always more than enough. And right now, Father, we cast these cares on you. We, we don't have to know how it's going to work out. We don't have to know when. We just have to know who, and that's you. So, Father, we, we turn our attention away from what it is that has captured our concern. And we turn our focus and our faith on you, knowing that you are faithful, that you never have failed, and you never have lost, and you will never. So today, Father, we thank you for working these things out for good. And Father, let us know. If there's a part that you have for us, let us know what our part is. But we know that you have the big part. Our part is to be available, willing, and obedient. And then you said we would eat the best of the land. So we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, amen, amen. amen. So be it. Well, we've been learning about the kingdom of God, and, and thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for uh, connecting online. We're grateful for you being here. But we've been learning about what we've become a part of, this new kingdom, the kingdom of God that is very different than the kingdom of the world. We can live in the kingdom of God trying to live by the ways of the world, and it's not going to work. It's going to be really frustrating. So what we have to do is we have to learn and understand that this new kingdom has new ways. And not only do we need to learn it, we need to start to replace the old ways with these new ways, the old perspectives, the old values with these new values of this kingdom that we are a part of for eternity. This isn't just for the next, you know, election year. This is for eternity. And that's why it's so important that we understand this and we adjust to it. And we've been learning about what in the kingdom, how we communicate with our king. And it's through prayer. Through prayer, we, we, we bring ourselves to that place where we can address the king of the kingdom or the creator of the universe. Talk about resources. You know, whenever we get our backs against the wall, we, we start to think about who, who is it that I can call? Who is it that I can go to? Who is it that I can gain from that, that is going to be able to impart to me what I need to be able to get through this? And I want you to know there's, there's only one that will always have more than enough for you, and that's God. And that's why it's so important in this kingdom we adjust. We make this huge shift from relying on us because we all do it. We all grew up in this world and, and found that people let us down. Anybody here been let down by anybody? Anybody been disappointed, been, been uh, hurt by somebody? And so that causes us to want to close up and, and draw back and draw in. But in the kingdom of God, it's a kingdom that you open up. You open up to God and listen, you open up to your brothers and sisters. Because the Bible says very clearly that none of us are to do this alone. And it's not just us and God. And so we've been looking at this prayer that Jesus taught, this model prayer uh, that almost everybody universally knows or has been exposed to, and yet we don't really understand it. We're, we're starting to understand what this prayer represents as a model because Jesus 
preceding this prayer said, don't pray just vain words, vain repetition. Don't just say something over and over and over again and think it's magical. I want you to know this isn't a magical prayer. Nothing magical about it, but it's powerful in its principles. And it is encouraging to us. It helps set us up to receive what God has for us because what God has for us, why, why did Jesus come? To seek and save that which was lost. But he came to give us life and life more abundant. That's what always God wants to give. He wants to give that abundance. And the reason why he wants you to have abundance, he, he wants your life to be good, but even more so, he wants your life to experience the second level blessing. It's blessed to receive, isn't it? Anybody here doesn't like receiving? Okay. So it says that it's more blessed to, and you can't give until you receive. If you haven't received it, you've got nothing to give. But once you receive, instead of trying to hold on to it like the world out there tells us we need to, you know, once you get a hold of something, guard it. Guard it with your life and hoard it. Get as much as you can, as quickly as you can. And put it in a can and then sit on a can. You know, we want to sit on our blessings. We want to make sure because we've seen in this world how sometimes there can be lack. There can be things that happen all of a sudden we weren't prepared for and then we're wondering, are we going to be able to make it? I want you to know it's not in looking out there or what you look at in your hands. It's the one who lives in you that makes you able to go through all this stuff that will provide for every one of your needs. Now, listen, sometimes we hear what we want to hear instead of what was said. In Philippians 4.19, it says, my God will supply all your, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He said needs, not greeds. Okay, there's a difference between a need and a want. And unfortunately, we, having been born in America, if we've been born here, we don't really know the difference between a need and a want because everything is a need to us. And God said he would supply all our needs. But understand this, he's not always going to give it to us when we want it. Because the very blessing that you and I are, are looking for, are expecting God, that, that he's promised in his word... He may not bring it to you right away because you and I at times aren't prepared to handle it. The very blessing of God could bring a temptation and a fall in our life because the character hasn't been built in us. And when we look at this prayer, we see how God desires us to approach everything and approach him. And so we're, we're going to go back to Mark chapter 6, this is also found in Luke, but we've been in Mark, our Mark chapter 6, or Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at this, but before we do, we're going to pray, because it's important. It's incredibly important that with everything said here, and in the next two hours, I'll say, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's important that you hear what God says. In the midst of everything that I'm going to say, there's something that God has for you to hear. And that, that portion that God has for you to hear, that's 
the sword of the Spirit. That's the rhema word of God. That is what God has empowered to impart to your life to prepare you for whatever you're going through or whatever's ahead. And so we need to have hearing ears. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word as it goes forth. That, Father, it is life and health to those who find it. We thank you for healings today. We thank you for reviving tired and weary souls. We thank you, Father, that your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you for illumination and Holy Spirit bringing revelation that we, as we apply your word to our life, experience transformation and go from glory to glory. We thank you for your word that is truth, that sets captives free. We thank you for those that would be saved here and those online today and the freedom that we would continue to experience as, as followers and believers in Jesus Christ. And Father, that liberty we wouldn't use just to serve our own purposes, designs, and desires, but Father, we would use that liberty for what you gave it to us for, to serve you and serve others. And so, Father, help us to have hearing ears, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us, the church, corporately and individually. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So in Matthew chapter 6, just kind of recapping uh, the first two verses we've gotten through. Isn't that amazing? Uh, we, we read, uh, he said, pray after this manner. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we find out that the first part of this is all about God, which it should be. The Bible says that Jesus is supposed to have the preeminence, the first place in everything. And so this prayer starts out with us recognizing, who are you talking to? Who do you talk to when you pray? Because if you don't know, you have no idea what you're going to get. You can't be sure of what you're going to get. But this tells us that we are addressing. Now, we, we could start out with the creator of the universe. You're addressing the creator of the universe. How would that set you up in approaching him? Would you be tentative and maybe a little hesitant to go? Come on. Absolutely. You know, there are times where people come in for spiritual guidance to talk things over, and, and this is what I hear. Well, I'm going to the principal's office. You know, with that mentality, it's like, I'm going to get in trouble. It's not going to be good. I want you to know, you are going to the creator of the universe, but that's not the way you need to first recognize who you're approaching, who we're approaching. It's our father. Not like any other father ever or ever will be. There's no father that's been this good, this consistently, because he's always one of the best for you. I read, read something and said some, sent something to both, both our sons. And it says there's only one man on earth that will rejoice when you are better than him. That's your dad. And I wanted our sons to know that I want, Debbie wants them to be better than we are. 
And your heavenly father wants you to be the best you can be. He's not trying to hold you back or hold you down. He's trying to help you to attain the potential that he created and he alone knows is in you. But he also knows the frailties in us and the flaws in us and the failures we've had. And he doesn't want us to repeat the failures. He wants to set you up. And when we get set up many times, we know it's not for good, right? Somebody sets you up, you're like, oh, really? But God wants to set you up for victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. You don't have to fail ever again. If we'll just look to God and trust in God and track with God so that we don't get a big head. We don't think, look what I did. You know, there's a story about an elephant and a mouse that crossed this suspension bridge. And, and when they got to the other side, the mouse looked back on the bridge and the bridge was swinging. And the mouse said, didn't we shake that bridge? <laughs> you know, sometimes we get a big head about what's happened because we think we did it. Just remember, every good and perfect gift comes from... Yeah. Right. But sometimes we say, look what I did. And that's where we've got to be aware that without God, for us, nothing eternal, nothing really valuable. We can do a lot of things, but it's not really valuable. A lot of things that people do in their own effort, in their own ability, is just to point back to them, look what I did. And we as Christians, we're in a different kingdom. And that kingdom we're supposed to be living a life where people look at us and say, wow, look what you did. And we say, no, look what he did. Look what he did. And if he can do it through somebody like me, he can do it through anybody that will let him have his way. So it is so important. Our father, our father. And it's not just my dad. This is my dad. You, you stay away from him. And we have this personal possession and, and boundary that, but this connects us all immediately. We're part of a family. Now, we have never seen a family in this earth after Adam and Eve in the garden, before sin, that was operating the way God intended a family to operate. Where there is close communion with the Father, there is great unity between the family members, great support, great encouragement. Everybody wants everybody to win and, and will do whatever they need to do to help that win come because we have fallen and, and it's all about us. We've got to get the, the, the I out of us. We have this I problem. It's all about me. And God says, set yourself aside. Let me do in you and through you what will amaze you and amaze everybody else who knows you. So we go to our Father. But then it kicks in. Where is he? In heaven. That indicates to us he's in a perfect place. He's perfect. He's in a perfect place. He is glorious. He is victorious. Unlike anything we have ever been able to experience or relate to. And so if he's perfect in a perfect place and he has a vantage point 
that is, you know, and when you're in battles, where, what ground do you want? You want the high ground. Why? Because there's an advantage. You can see you, you, your enemy has to try and come up a hill after you, and that's hard in itself. But they expose themselves. And so God's on the high ground. And the Bible says he'll guide you with his eye. There's vision he has, understanding he has, wisdom he has that is not available to us apart from him. And so our father who is in heaven, oh yeah, he's my dad, but he's also perfect, the creator. It's not like I can just be so familiar that I just pop off at him. There's a level of respect we need to have whenever we approach God. And unfortunately, I hear too often Christians with very little reverence, respect, honor, fear of the Lord. One of the things I've been hearing from a lot of people is there are a lot of, a lot of teachers in the body of Christ teaching about the fear of the Lord. And you may say, why don't we do it here? We did. We're continuing. This is part of it. That we need to have respect, reverence, honor. We need to be in awe of God. Even though he's our heavenly father, we should be in awe of him. We shouldn't be so familiar and casual with him that we just kind of come in and say, hey, I need you to do something. Because he is almighty God, creator. And then it says, hallowed be thy name. This is the first declaration of what we want to have happen. We want God's name to be hallowed. We want it to be sacred and holy. We want it to be honored and revered. But if we don't do it, nobody else will. And how do we honor? How do we hallow? How do we esteem highly? How, how do we revere God's name? Well, we can, we can say a lot of things, but guess what people watch more than what they hear? Our actions. And that's where we hollow, we, we honor, we revere, we exalt, we highly esteem God's name by how we live. Or we can discredit it and disgrace it by how we live. Every action, every word, every attitude that people see, it's either exalting and hollowing the name of God or it's disgracing and diminishing the name of God. And then we went on to learn that when that happens, then we come to that place where we cry out. We're asking. In this prayer, Jesus is showing us the next thing we need to ask for. If we want to hallow his name, we need his kingdom to be in residence and in place and in force in our life. And... and his kingdom is perfect. You are part of the kingdom of God. And you're going to spend eternity in the kingdom of God. And it's going to be what heaven is like. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is where? In heaven. Heaven's a perfect place. God wants heaven to break out on earth. How many of you have experienced hell breaking out on earth? Absolutely. And if, if hell can break out on earth, when I say that, sometimes we're going through hell. Well, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. All right? 
but, but hell starts to break out. And we've got to realize, man, heaven is right here. We have the spirit of God, the, the, the kingdom of God. All heaven can break loose if we'll just allow it. If I try and do what I want to do, God's, is God going to override what I do? Uh, we're, we're, we're concerned because we don't know the answer to that. The answer to that is no. God will never override your choice or my choice. And so if we choose to do what we can do, he'll let us do it until we realize it's not working. But why not be smarter and say, you know what, God? I don't want to do my own will. I want your will done because your will is perfect. I want your kingdom, not my kingdom. And that's exactly what Jesus struggled with in the garden. God had a plan for him. It wasn't real comfortable. It wasn't real convenient. And yet he said, Father, this is what I would like, and you can do that. But don't leave it there. This is what I want. Get on it. This is what I would like. But Father, I know that you are smarter than me. You have a better perspective. You've got a better knowledge of everything going on. And I don't want what I want, even though I think it's what I want. I want your will because I know your will is best. So your kingdom come, your will be done in earth. Why is it saying earth? Well, it says on earth in some translations, but in earth because it's in us. In the book of Genesis, it says man was created of the dust of the earth. God wants his kingdom and his will done in you and me, not just around. Because if it's going to be done in the, on the earth, then it's going to be done because it's done in the body. It's got to occur first in us before it breaks forth in the earth. You're a portal. You may say, well, that sounds new agey. It's not new agey. They, they, they adopted a lot of that stuff. But you're a vessel that God works in and works through. And if he's not working in us, he can't work through us. Because we can't give what we don't got. Bad English, good theology. And so thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is. As it is in heaven. That means... God is wanting us to believe that he's going to be able to work perfectly in us and through us. And we'll always be moving towards that. We'll never attain to that in this life, but one day we will. So we've gotten to this place, and then we go on to the next, next verse. And you may say, man, this, this prayer has taken a long time to get through. I can say it in seconds. Yeah, you can say it in seconds, but you don't know what you're saying. Isn't it more important that we know what we're saying? I was in Russia one time, and I was standing in a subway station. And uh, I didn't know before I went that everybody in Russia wore gray and black. That's just, it was very drab and dark, at least back in the 90s. And I wore this bright red parka. I mean, you, you didn't have to look far to see where I was. I was right there in the midst of everything. 
And this woman walked up to me and started screaming at me. And, and I didn't know what was going on. And the guys I was with, I, I said, what's she saying? You're the problem. Because she had asked them where I was from. And she found out I was from America. And because of what she had heard, they had been told that Americans were the cause of all their problems. And so I happened to be the closest American that she could get to. And she unloaded. And I'm, I'm looking at her and I'm just, I don't know what she's saying. And so I, 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 I asked the guys next to me, help me to say I'm sorry, but I'm not the cause. So they told me these words, and I'm not good with English, and I'm not really good at all with Russian. And I tried to pronounce it, and she just kind of looked at me. And, and then I tried to pronounce it again. And they were setting me up with something that I shouldn't have been saying to her. But I didn't know any better. And you know, God's setting us up, not for failure. He's setting us up for success. And so we need to know what we're saying. We need to know what we're doing. We need to know that he's the one that is always there and always cares and will never leave us hanging. And so we're going to look at the next verse and see how this applies to our life. And it says in verse 11, give us what? This day our daily bread. Profound. We read that and we think, you know, I want more, more than bread. I like bread. But, but, but I want more. But if you really understand what this is saying, you're going to realize that this covers everything. That word bread is a generic term that was used in those days for everything that was necessary for life. Now, what's necessary for life? Don't tell me Lamborghinis. Health. What else? Air. Yeah. This covers it all. It covers food. It covers drink. It covers health. It covers stability. It covers all these things. And yet it says something that is very foreign to us as Americans. Give us this day our daily now, when it starts out with give, what does that indicate? What is our position in the one saying this? Give us. Yeah, we receive. It means we don't have it. As much as you and I at times think we got it all together. Man, I've got it locked down. I am rolling. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. You know what I'm talking about? There are times we're like, whew, just cruising. And then we hit a bump or a hole or we get off track and we're in the weeds. We need God on Sunday. Do we need God on Sunday? What was that comment, Dwayne? And six other days, man, I only go to church one day. That's all I need him. I don't need him in the rest of my week, messing up my week. 
We need him every day. Every day, every way, everywhere. Give us. Did you notice it didn't say give me? This is all again about connection. Whenever we go to God and ask, we shouldn't be just going to God asking for us. And do you know many Christians, their prayer life is just about them, about theirs. This is about us. When we approach God, we should never approach God selfishly just about us because whatever you're going through, whatever your need is, is there somebody else possibly out there that's going through something as bad or worse than you? Absolutely. And needs what you are asking for and even more? Then why would we ever just go for us? Because we still have the ways of the world that we grew up in the kingdom of this world in us that is all about us, ourselves, instead of us, the body, the people around us. If people are going to experience and see Jesus in the kingdom of God, where's it going to come from? It's going to come through us. But we have to have a mindset that we're not just here for me. Us for and no more. And so give us this day our daily bread. What we're doing is we're saying, God, I know that I can't get this on my own, out of my own effort, out of my own education, out of my own resources, out of anything alone. This comes from you. And I need to come to you for us daily for the things I need for life. But we in America, do we need that? We do, but do you know our prosperity has blinded us to this need? Debbie and I went to England to see some friends of ours, and we were shocked by a number of things. One of the things that we were most shocked by was the refrigerator. And you may say, refrigerator? Well, how crazy is that? Have you guys ever, I'm sure some of you have, maybe you haven't, seen like a little dorm refrigerator. It's about that tall, about that wide, and you can stick, well, college kids do a lot of things sticking in there, but you can stick a, a bottle of milk and a couple of eggs and, and maybe a soda or two, but just, it's not a lot of volume. And we found out that they can get by with that because every day or every other day, they go to the market. Now, how many of you shop every day? Now, I know some of you shop every day. But, but when I'm talking about shopping to go to the grocery store every day, how many of you just can't wait to do that every day? Okay. So, so you go in and you get a basket full or a couple. Of, I saw a lady the other day in Walmart. She had one basket and it was piled. And, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging her, but it was piled. And I thought, I do not want to get behind her in the line. <laughs> but then when she pulled into the lane, there were two kids behind her with baskets the same size. Now, they either have a huge family or they were going camping. Just stocking up. And we don't have to stock up because we go to the grocery store or to a gas station and we can get pretty much what we need. 
any time, 24 hours, 365. And yet we were awakened during COVID. And I was just reminded of that this, this past week. When we were going through COVID, you know, there were things that would just disappear from the shelves of the grocery store. I went in one day and I walked down the, the international foods aisle. All the pasta was gone. All the sauce was gone. This is Rome. Why do people buy sauce? Most people make sauce. But obviously... <laughs> Obviously, you know, there was a run on this and, and people were kind of, you'd see them pull up and they were looking and they were like, what? Now there was another place in the grocery store that was pretty bare too. Anybody want to take a guess of what that was? <laughs> toilet paper. Yeah. Who would think? Oh, there's going to be a run on toilet paper. But there was. And you know Why? because of some things that were going on, but then the fear in everybody else, if I don't get my now, I won't have it. So we tried to be helpful, but I think it was four or five cases, yeah, of toilet paper to give out to people that we were hearing was having trouble finding toilet paper. We have three left. Do I have any bids? <laughs> Just kidding. But, but you know, we, we don't experience lack like that, but we just have, we've had supply chain problems, right? And this, this kind of stirs something deep in us. I better get that now because if I don't get it now, I may not have it. But that's, that's a type of fear that starts working in us. And I want you to know, God said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a, not stressed, it's an S word, but it's not stressed mind, it's sound mind, a mind that is at rest and at peace. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of us need more of a sound mind in these days, but I think we all do. But this very portion of the prayer helps us. Again, when I went to Russia, there was, there was just a crash of their economy. The day after I flew into Russia with the, the hockey team that I was going in with, their economy crashed. The ruble became absolutely, almost absolutely worthless. And one of the things that, that the, the guys around me that were from Moscow told me the way you tell that a ruble is worthless is toilet paper is worth more than the ruble is. And so they wouldn't use the toilet paper, they used the rubles. Yeah. Now we sometimes get nervous about what's going on with the banks and the economy and this and that. The banking system what kingdom is that in? The kingdom of this world. Are you part of the kingdom of this world? Let me tell you, if you don't know, you are in this world, you are not of this world. 
Your kingdom connection is heaven. Do you think there's any lack in heaven? So if there's no lack in heaven, then God will see fit that he'll supply for you no matter what's going on in the kingdoms of this world. But you and I have to live by the kingdom principle that we aren't anxious for anything. But through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, we make our requests known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding guards our hearts and our minds. We're not anxious. We're not stressed. We're not worried. And we're definitely not fear-filled. So give us this day our daily supply for life. Not just bread, supply for life. What is it? What is it that you need? God will supply. And down farther in this chapter, and we're going to jump down because we're going to see what comes after Jesus has taught them how to pray, and then he starts to tell them about different things. And he starts to talk about and tell them about treasures. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, it says this, don't store up, that's a nice word, store up, sounds you know, orderly and honorable. How about this word? Don't hoard. When you think of a hoarder, what do you think of? Clutter. You think of more than they need. And, and why do hoarders hoard? Well, some, some, sometimes they have determined that there is a fear in them that they won't have it when they need it. Man, I've, I've, I've fallen prey to that. I'll find some things in the garage and I'll be looking at them and say, you know, I'm not exactly sure what that is, but you know, I've had these times where when I've thrown it out, I've recognized I needed it the next day. And so I stick it in the drawer. And then I stick the next thing in the drawer. And then I can't find the stuff in the drawer because there's too much stuff. And all of it is fear-driven. And God doesn't want you to be fearful. Don't hoard... Or store up treasure. What's your treasure? Here on earth. Where moths eat and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure where? In heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desire of your heart will also be. Man, anybody looking at our life needs, should be able to see that the desire of our heart is our Heavenly Father for His kingdom and His will in our lives. Don't hoard. Don't store up. Because what, what is at the foundation of that is fear of lack. Won't have enough. Do you know that sometimes we don't give the way God has for us to give because we're afraid we won't have enough left? And God's always said, whatever you sow, you'll reap. When you sow to God, he will multiply it back to you. But we still operate under the influence of the 
plans and perspectives and the priorities of this world, and we need to get them out if we're going to experience the kingdom the way God intended so that people can see heaven in us. Then down in verse 25 through 30, it says this. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now, just, just for a second, listen. If you didn't worry about everyday life, the stuff of everyday life, how radically different would your life be? Yeah, I, I expected that. Woohoo! It can be. You don't have to worry about that because God's there to take care of you. And look what it says. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your, whose? Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And I'm going to answer that question because some of you struggle with that. Yeah, you are absolutely far more valuable. When you want to find out the value that you hold in God's eyes and esteem, you're as valuable as what he exchanged for you. That's his son, Jesus. That's how valuable every human being is. And if we aren't valuing them the same way, then we're off track. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Is that true? Can it add any worry? Does it lengthen your life or shorten your life? So again, God is trying to give you the best life. And, and don't go against what he's saying because he wants your life to be full and long and prosperous and blessed. Go ahead. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Do you know why we have so little faith? Because we don't know and believe who God is. If you had a relationship with somebody in your life that had always proven to do the best possible things in your life, would, you, would it be hard to have faith in, in that person? No, because they had proven themselves. And that's why when we come into the kingdom of God, we've got to start to trust God. But we trust him because what we've learned of who he is through his word. And we know who he is. And we recognize he's our heavenly father. Yeah, he's in heaven. But, but he is with us and he's for us. So we're not supposed to worry about our life, about all this stuff that we spend copious amounts of time worrying about, wondering about, agonizing over, am I going to have enough? You will if you trust God. If you try and trust you, you may not. And, and so daily bread... Give us this day. 
It's not talking about tomorrow. It's not talking about next week. It's not talking about next year. But we have a mentality, and it's not wrong. The Bible says count the cost before you do something. But don't depend on your savings account. Don't depend on your IRA. Don't depend on all the things we want to depend on and we're told to depend on and store up because the world's way is you got to get it in your control. But even if it's in your control, in your name, in the bank, how many of you know there are banks that have failed? I don't want to hear that. I'm scared. Then I'm, I'm going to give you a solution to being scared about the banks failing. Trust God. Trust God. God has taken care of millions of people in the most hostile environment and made sure they had what they needed. Had what they needed. And so we're going we're gonna, to uh, look at this as far as what the Bible tells us about daily bread. It, it, daily bread, when God fed Israel for a couple of weeks, right? You know, that's, that's crazy if he's got to feed them for months. You know, hundreds of thousands of people. How long did he feed hundreds of thousands, if not over a million people? 40 years! Pastor, you're getting weird. I'm getting weird because I want you to take notice of this. This isn't somebody that fed you for a week. This is somebody who fed hundreds of thousands of people Every day for 40 years. Didn't miss a meal. Who else can we compare that to? Even McDonald's. You remember they used to have millions sold, 23 million hamburgers sold. Then it went into the billions and now it's off. I'm telling you, they've done an okay job. But what they were feeding us wasn't okay. What God was feeding us, people, was good. So in Exodus chapter 16, this is what God did. Verse 4, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Can you imagine Moses sitting there hearing this? God, you're going to rain bread from heaven? Nobody's ever done that. You're going to do it for me? No, I'm going to do it for all of you. All of us? Yes, all of you. Today? Yeah, today. Get what you need today, and then I'll do it again tomorrow. But how do we know you're going to do it tomorrow? you got to trust me. So, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota, what? Every day. That I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So God's saying, this is what I'm going to do. I have my part. You have your part. Just like it happens today. God has his part. We have our part. God's part was to create this, this manna. You know what manna means? It means what is it? That's creative Israelites. What do we call this stuff? I don't know. What is it? Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> so they call it manna. 
And, and they go out, and the first day, the first stinking day, they go out and start gathering it. All right? And guess what's going through their head? This looks really good, but we're in, we're in the wilderness. Where are we going to find stuff like this? I better get a little more, just in case. But that was a violation of what God said. And then in verse 18, it goes on to say this. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, don't keep it, any of it until morning. But some of them, what? My, my, my. Oh, me, oh, me, oh, me. <laughs> Didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by morning, it was full of yum. Yum. And it had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes that they had not picked up melted and disappeared. What if God didn't take care of that? That's a miracle in itself. Because what would have it turned into if it stayed there long enough? Man, it would have been maggot-filled, smelly stuff that you'd have to step around. Now, if you've ever had a big animal... I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but just what they needed. Every morning. Why? Because God had the big part. He had it come down. He created manna, something they'd never seen. Nobody ever experienced this before. But it, let me ask you this. Could he have put it in a pot and put it at the doorstep of each tent? Yeah, he could have done that. If he made the manna, he could make a bowl. Put the man in the bowl and put it right by their tent. Why didn't he do it? Because he wanted them to know they have a responsibility. There's part of them having to do something to receive. You're part of the miracle God wants to do. God's going to do the big part. You're going to be there willing and obedient. Obedient. Don't gather more than you need. It's going to stink what you need. So he did this. The Bible says, and this isn't going to be up there, in Psalm 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That's what we feed on, his faithfulness. God is faithful. He'll never be unfaithful. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10 through 19, we kind of catch up with this, and God's explaining to them what's, what, why he's doing what he's doing. He says, when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. How many of you know after Thanksgiving meal or Christmas meal? You just want to go out, get up and start praising God and running around and dancing and singing and just, right? Is that what you want? No, we want to go in and we want, want to watch the game and we want to fall asleep. But this says, once you have eaten your fill, 
be sure to praise the Lord. We're supposed to pray before we eat, and we're supposed to praise him after we eat. Verse 11, but this is the time to be careful. When? When you're satisfied. When you're filled. When you've received what you've been believing for, what you have been hoping for, what you have had your faith out for. Be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commandments, regulations, and decrees. It didn't say suggestions. Commandments, regulations, and decrees. Why? Because he knows what we need. But he's not the boss of me. <laughs> Last time I, 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 I addressed him, he's my Lord. That means master. He is the boss of me. And I need to live under his lordship, his commands, his decrees, and his regulations. Then it goes on to say, for when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks, and it goes through a whole lot, and we'll read it. When your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have been multiplied along with everything else, be careful. But let me ask you a question. Is that the time we're really concerned? Is it naturally that when we've got everything and more that we want, are we concerned? No, it's time to kick back, right? Enjoy. And, and we heard recently in the last few services, we heard somebody reference the man that had been prospered and he wanted to build a bigger barn to contain it. And God required his life. This isn't about, the kingdom of God isn't about containment. It's about distribution. Freely you've received, freely give. And so be careful, be careful. Do not become proud at that time. And forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna. In the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to what? Humble you. God was taking Israel through the wilderness to show them they couldn't take care of themselves in that place, but he could. Now, God never intended them to be 40 years, but because they wouldn't believe him, it took that long for them to get to the place where they would say, we'll believe you, we'll trust you. To test you. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. Did it feel good to them out there? Did they question God, why are you doing this? Yeah. Did they say, hey, let's go back to Egypt. We had it better back there. Is that deception? Yes. Man, they were getting beaten every day, working in the hot sun. Here, they're free, but they're learning that they have to depend on God. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, listen, never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth. 
with my own strength and energy. How crazy is that? And how prone are we to doing this? This portion of the scripture, give us this day our daily bread. Because we recognize we can't get this on our own. And if we do get it, it's because he's given you the strength. He's given you the opportunity. He's given you the wisdom. He's given you everything that you look at as, look what I attained. But he's given it. And so we need to recognize he's, he's the source of it all. So with that, in verse 3, he, he previously says to them, Deuteronomy 8.3, so he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. What? God allows us to hunger? Yeah, it didn't say starve. It meant that they began to realize a need that they needed met and couldn't do it. And they had a choice whether they were going to rely on God or rely on themselves and try and do it themselves, which was going to be a failure. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And then jumping back to Matthew chapter 6, after Jesus has taught this prayer and he tells them, don't store up your treasures in, in, in earth and don't worry about your life. In verse 31, it says this, don't worry and say, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For, what, for that's what those people who don't know God are always thinking about. Now, if that's what people who don't know God are always thinking about, should we think about that stuff? Oh, come on, help me. No, it should not occupy the majority of our thoughts. And it definitely shouldn't be in the majority of our praying. He said he's going to take care of you. If you trust him, you know the best thing for you to do when you trust somebody is say thank you. Thank you. Don't keep asking, are you going to do it? 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 Would you please do it? Hey, please do it. Come on, would you do it? That's irritating. And so we thank him. Don't worry because your father in heaven knows, isn't guessing, he knows that you need all these things. What you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do. Then he will give you all these other things you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will have its own troubles. I don't like the last part of that verse. Can we just cut that out? He's already told you how to handle it. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know that was really sad. Thanks for sitting through it. Don't worry. Rejoice. Rejoice. You're not alone in this. 
And I want to end with this. We're, we're to go to God and say, God, give us us this day our necessities for life. But in Psalm 68, the Bible tells you, and, and I'm telling you, some of you need to write this down and write it on your arm with ink. Our little granddaughter was with us. Debbie gave her. That's right. It's Debbie's fault. Gave her these pens that are called tattoo pens. You can draw on your skin. And, and Elon at this point is going to the airport with barbed wire that her father did and a little heart that says mom. And then she drew some more on herself. But, but we need to remember this. Remember this. This verse alone is worth coming today or tuning in and connecting today. Blessed be the Lord who what? Say it again. Louder. Daily. Loads us with benefits. Close your eyes. Daily, God loads you with benefits. He wants your life blessed. That's why Jesus came, that you would have life and life more abundant. But he doesn't want you to be the end point of the blessing. He wants you to be a conduit, that he can shuttle all of heaven's blessings through you to those that don't know him yet. He wants to give you every day. Don't worry about tomorrow. He'll, he's already in your tomorrow. He goes ahead of you and prepares your way. But know that today, whatever it is you need, he's there with you, for you, to stand against anything that comes and everything that comes against you. And he's already loaded you. You can tell everybody, I'm loaded. But it's only 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm loaded. Loaded. What have you been doing? Been spending time with God. God's loading me with benefits. If you're here this morning or you're online and and you 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 are struggling. God doesn't want you to live a life struggling, He wants you to live a life snuggling. Snuggling with Him. Get close to Him. And allow him to be your papa, your abba, your daddy, your father who is in heaven. You're allowing his, his name to be exalted and lifted up because of the way you live. Because you're allowing his kingdom to come and his will to be done in you. And every day you're stress-free because you're casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. But if you haven't turned to him and he's not your daddy, you're not part of his family. And you say, well, everybody's a part of the family of God. Everybody's created in the image of God, but not everybody's part of the family of God. Jesus himself addressed some people in society around him. And he said, you are of your father, the devil. Until we make Jesus Lord, then... He's not our heavenly father. He is God. But we've got to come into this new and living way 
this new life that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to, to the Father except through me. Until you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, repent of your sin and put your trust in him to guide and govern and guard you, then you're still part of the world that's made in his image, but you're not part of his family. And he's waiting with open arms, just like the prodigal son's father, for you to come. And today we're going to pray and invite you to repent of your sin and turn to trust in Christ for his will and way in your life. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into the world, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Lord Jesus, I confess I've sinned. I come to you today to receive your cleansing and forgiveness. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me and giving me this new life as your child. I want you to guide me, govern me, guard me. This is a beginning to be continued eternally in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Now, before you go and before you do anything else, again, I just want you to bow your heads because this is important. You've heard over and over this morning that you're not to worry. So if you just bow your heads, if you're still struggling with worry and you're willing to say to God, I am turning this over to you, I am trusting you, then I want you to just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm, I'm turning and trusting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Heavenly Father, for those that raised their hands this morning, I just thank you. As they turn this over to you, casting their care upon you, their concerns, and even their considerations, your word says you don't sleep so we can. Knowing that you're at work in these situations and because we love you and are called according to your purpose, you're going to work them out for good. Now, Father, I thank you. I thank you whenever these cares come back, we're going to cast them again to you and not reel them back. But if they happen to cross our minds, we're going to praise you and thank you that you are at work on these things and you're working them out for good. So, Father, I thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that guards these hearts and these minds because they trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?